All right, you can start turning to Ezekiel chapter 36. Um, we were in chapter 33 last week. Uh, if you don't have a Bible, we have some um, over on the table. Let us know so I can grab you one. If you need a copy of the Bible, we'll get you one. Uh, Ezekiel chapter 36. Um, and, and kind of our big theme this week is that, that God makes us clean. Um, we're going to get to that in just a little bit. Uh, but um, last, last Sunday night, some of us went to the uh, adoration um, church gathering thing uh, at ETSU. They were trying to get a bunch of different churches together for various reasons, um, but uh, they had like this kind of expo organization, meet and greet sort of thing before, and uh, to, to get into that, you kind of had to walk in through one of the downstairs entrances into the mini-dome on campus, and what was interesting uh, about walking in that way is that the football team had just finished practicing, and they were all sitting right outside the Buck Sports, like, like physical therapy room there, uh, and they were just sitting along the walls as people were walking in to go into adoration, at least the way that I was going in. Um, and, and that hallway smelled like a football team had just been having a really hard practice. I mean, you walked in, and you're like, yep, somebody has been playing football, and they are all sitting right here in their own sweat, in their own stink. And you're like, why are you telling me this? Uh, uh, maybe you know what I'm talking about when I describe that. Like, maybe, maybe think of it this way. Like, what's, what's like the dirtiest you've ever gotten? Think through that. Think through that. Like, I remember one time, I, th I don't remember what grade I was in. I think it was in like third grade or something. This was when we lived in Georgia, and we went to like a, a flag football game that one of my friend's brothers was playing in, but it was like pouring rain, and we were like playing out in this open field in the pouring rain, but when you play in an open field in pouring rain, it's just, it's just mud, and you're rolling around, and you're playing in mud, and, and, and maybe, you, maybe you've done that. Maybe, maybe you've gotten just super, super muddy, and then you know, like you, you go inside, or you get out of the rain, and it like starts drying, and it gets like all over your skin. And you know, do you know this feeling? Do you know what I'm talking about? What's the best feeling in the world after you've gotten that way? A shower right after that. Yeah. Isn't that like the most amazing, the most amazing feeling? I mean, I kind of felt that yesterday. It was kind of like we went to the, the ETSU football game. Go Bucks! Three overtime victory. Go, go team. Rah, rah. Right? But you're out and you're in the rain and you just kind of feel nasty. And then you go inside and you stand by a fire and you, and you, and you wash off a little bit and you clean up. And it's just like that is the best feeling in the world. Because you see this, this amazing transition from, from the dirt that you had been in, the mess that was you, to this just amazingly clean new set of clothes, right? That's the picture, that's the picture that Ezekiel is going to give this morning as we're reading of what it looks like when, when God takes his people out of their sin and restores them into fellowship with himself. We go, we go from, from dirty and gross and disgusting and covered in mud and covered in mess to this, this beautiful new clean person, new clothes. Don't smell like a football team anymore, right? And that's, that's, what, that's what the power of God, that's what grace does. That's what the gospel does. 
And throughout Ezekiel, God is constantly telling his people, you are dirty. You need a shower. The things that you're doing are gross. The things that you're doing are offensive to me. The things that you're doing are so sinful. It's just, it's, it, 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 it hangs with you. Right? It's not the sort of thing, you can go do this sin thing, but then when you come back, you can't tell it's happened. You, still kinda, you can still tell that you were out on a football field and you still kind of smell bad walking around afterwards. This is kind of the picture that Ezekiel's been constantly giving his people. He's been constantly saying, guys, you smell bad, you're dirty, you're gross. But this week in chapter 36, we're going we're gonna to start seeing what God is going to do about that. And, and more importantly, and this is the thing that I really want us to realize today, what God's motivations are as he makes his people clean as he fulfills these promises that he's going to clean up his people. So if you're in Ezekiel chapter 36, go down to verse 16, and we'll start right there. It says, The word of the Lord came to me, Son of man, when the house of Israel lived in their own land, they defiled it by their ways and their deeds. Their ways before me were like the uncleanness of a woman and her menstrual impurity. So I poured out my wrath upon them, for the blood that they shed in the land, for the idols in which they had defiled it. I scattered them among the nations, and they were dispersed through the countries. In accordance with their ways and their deeds, I judged them. But when they came to the nations, wherever they came, they profaned my holy name, in that people said of them, these are the people of the Lord, and yet they had to go out of His land. But I had concern for my holy name which the house of Israel had profaned among the nations to which they came. We'll stop right there. The first thing that I want us to start to see, because this is, again, God, God describing the wickedness of the people, and he's saying, I have to do something about this. I have to punish this sin. Something, something has to be done because of the wickedness of my people. Something has to be changed. But it, but, and, and, you attend, and we tend to think, because, because we're us and we like to think about ourselves, we like to think, oh, he's doing that so that they'll be better off, so that they'll be better. But what is, what is the reason that God gives us when he says, I'm going to cleanse them? But I had concern for my holy name. God says, I have to punish you because my name, my reputation is at stake. Right? Because he said, the nations were seeing his people. The nations were seeing Israel, and they're saying, these are the people of God, and look at how they live. Right? The reputation that his people had developed was, look at the way these people are living. They are not honoring to their God. They obviously don't even love their God. They're worshiping every single other God except for him. And he says, for the sake of my name, my reputation, I have to punish you. A person's name, someone's, someone's identity, somebody's reputation is very important. I always, I always, whenever I think about for the sake of somebody's name, like the per, a person's name mattering, I always think back to um, the story from The Crucible. Has anybody ever seen The Crucible, either the play or the movie? Um, in that, at the very end, I don't want to, I'm just going to go ahead and spoil it for you all. One of the characters um, is being given a choice. He can either, he can either save his own life but confess to a crime that he didn't commit. Or he can, he can reject to confess to a crime he didn't commit, but they're going to kill him. 
and, and he struggles through this decision, but in the end, he refuses to write his name on the piece of paper that says he committed this crime. Because he said, I have nothing except my name, and I'm not going to let you take my name. And that's kind of where God is. God's saying, I am ultimate, sovereign, highest, highest being, worthy of glory, worthy of praise. I am it. I am everything. My name matters. I can't let my name be, be seen in, in light as, as a God of a people who, who do not respect him and he does nothing about it. So he says, my people are lost in their sin. They're gross and dirty and they're profaning everything about me. And the nations are seeing it. And he says, I have to punish you. I'm going to scatter you around the nations. I'm going to punish you for all of your deeds. I'm going to send you to different places around the world. I'm going to send you out from the land that I had given you as a punishment. So that when the people see you, they say, these people were not honoring their God. And look at what he did. Right? And look at how he handled that. Look at how he dealt with that. Because the other nations see the wickedness and now they see how God has dealt with him. Has dealt with them. Kind of reminds me of like, he's saying, I've said these are the standards and now I have to hold it up because I have to parent you consistently. Everything kind of connects back to parenting for me a lot of times when it's how God deals with his people because this is something that I struggle through. It's like, I have said you can't do this to, to Ellie, or you can do, or you have to do this. And if, and if the thing that I say is disobeyed, I have to do something about that consistently. Because if I let her off half the time, she's not going to respect me, and she's going to be learning, oh, I can sometimes get away with doing things that are against what my dad says. I have, to be, I have to be consistent with her. And this is what God is saying. He's saying, I have to be consistent with my people, because the nations are looking. And if they're going to say, these people are wicked, God better act. So God's going to act. And so he's going to punish them. He's going to send them out into all these other nations. He's going he's to basically strip them of their identity for the sake of reinforcing his own. Let's keep reading. Verse 22. He says, Therefore, say to the house of Israel, Thus says the Lord God, It is not for your sake, O house of Israel, that I'm about to act but for the sake of my holy name, which you have profaned among the nations to which you came, and I will vindicate the holiness of my great name, which has been profaned among the nations, and which you have profaned among them. And the nations will know that I am the Lord, declares the Lord God, when through you I vindicate my holiness before their eyes. I will take you from the nations and gather you from all the countries and bring you into your own land." I will sprinkle clean water on you, and you shall be clean from all your uncleanness. And from, your, from all your idols I will cleanse you, and I will give you a new heart, and a new spirit I will put within you. And I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. And I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes and be careful to obey my rules. You shall dwell in the land that I gave to your fathers, and you shall be my people, and I will be your God." And I will deliver you from all your uncleanness. And I will summon the grain and make it abundant and lay no famine upon you. I will make the fruit of the tree and the increase of the field abundant that you may never again suffer the disgrace of famine among the nations. 
Then you will remember your evil ways and your deeds that were not good, and you will loathe yourselves for your iniquities and your abominations. It is not for your sake that I will act, declares the Lord God. Let that be known to you. Be ashamed and confounded for your ways, O house of Israel. We'll stop right there. God, for the sake of His own name, says, I'm going to send you out. I'm going to punish you. But for the sake of my own name, I'm also going to cleanse you. I'm also going to restore you. I'm also going to redeem you. So, so if you're writing down points, point one was obviously God's going to punish us, punish our sin for the sake of His name. Point two is going to be God's going to restore us again for the sake of His own name. That restoration. Now, now I'm not saying we shouldn't say, well, it doesn't matter for us at all. This is still really good news for us. We still are the benefits of that restoration as the people of God. And that's still something we shouldn't take lightly. But we've got to understand why God does it. Why does God save us? Because He's worthy of glory and He does it to bring glory to Himself. And so, and so I want us to think about this. God acts for the sake of His own name, cleansing His people, giving them a new heart and a new spirit. So what He says is, I'm going to clean you up inside and out. Right? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to restore you physically. I'm going I'm to take away all of the outward sins and stuff that you're, that you're doing. I'm going I'm to take away all the, the plague and famine. I'm going to put you back in your home. Right? This is, this is, his, this is his, his blessing on them. He's going to bless them. He's going to do these things. But he's not doing it because, because they, they need it. He's not doing it because, because he wants them to think that this is all just for them. He's doing it because it's good for him. It's glorifying to him because he's able to say, look at what I'm able to do. Look at this amazing change that I'm able to do. He says, I'm going to give you a new heart. I'm going to give you a new set of desires. Like, like all of these rules that I've been calling on you to follow, you're going to desire to follow all of these things. You're going to desire to obey all of my commands now because of this new heart that I'm going to give you. He's going to clean them inside and out. Jesus answered this idea in John chapter 3, verse 5. It says, Jesus answered, Truly, truly, I say to you, Unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. This idea that, that God doesn't only, only change our hearts, but he, but he washes us clean. That same picture that we were talking about before when I said, what's the dirtiest you've ever felt? And how amazing was that shower that came after? This is, this is, this is, this is the darkness to light. This is the dirty to clean. This is, this is, this is old clothes that you've been sweating in because you've been out working all day and you go home, you take a shower, you put on a new set of clothes. That amazing feeling. This is, this is what salvation is. He's changing us on the inside and on the outside for the sake of His own reputation, for the sake of His own name. Let's go ahead and keep reading. In verse 33, Thus says the Lord God, on the day that I cleanse you from all your iniquities, I will cause the cities to be inhabited and the waste places shall be rebuilt and the land that was desolate shall be tilled instead of being the desolation that it was in the sight of all who passed by. And they will say, this land that was, that was desolate has become like the Garden of Eden and the waste and desolate and ruined cities are now fortified and inhabited. Then the nations that are left all around you shall know that I am the Lord. I have rebuilt the ruined places and replanted that which was desolate. I am the Lord. I have spoken, and I will do it. Thus says the Lord God, 
This also I will let the house of Israel ask me to do for them, to increase their people like a flock, like the flock for sacrifices, like the flock at Jerusalem during her appointed feasts. So shall the, the waste cities be filled with flocks of people. Then they will know that I am the Lord. So this is a picture of complete restoration. It's not just that God's giving them a new heart in these places that he's punished them and sent them out to. Right? It's not, it's not that he just says, now you're going to love me, but I'm going to leave you in this. He says, now you're going to love me, now you're going to desire to obey me, and now you're going to actively get to walk back into this land that I gave you already, and you're going to live there, and you're going to grow as a nation, and I'm going to give you food, I'm going to give you resources, I'm going to give you all the things that you need to show people who I am and what the grace of God actually looks like. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make a display out of what it looks like to be my people. And he keeps still coming back to this idea. I'm doing it for the sake of my name. I'm doing it so that people will see this nation and know that I am the Lord your God. So that people will know that I am the ultimate. I am the sovereign ruler. I am the good one. I am the grace giver. I am all of these things. The, all these nations who've seen you and seen how I dealt with you while you were in your sin... Once I change your heart, once I change your desires, those people are going to see how I then treat you and I restore you and I bring you back to myself. And that's an amazing, amazing thing for the world to see. But again, it's, it's, it's for the sake of his own name. And he keeps coming back to this idea. He, he opens with this idea, for the sake of my name, I'm going to do this. And then he closes, for the sake of my name, I'm going to do this. Right? He's saying... He's opening and closing. There's this, there's this cool thing in storytelling. If you, maybe it's just if you're writing a book. I don't know. I don't write books. I, I do more videos and movie kind of things. But, but if you watch movies, a lot of times, the, the way that a really well-structured story is told, there's this balance beginning to end. Um, I don't want to get, like, super techie about it. But, like, one thing gets set up at, at a certain point in the movie, and then it's going to get answered at kind of a balancing point relative to the beginning and end of the movie. So they kind of, so like if you drew it out on a timeline and you said, oh, look, this happens right here 15 minutes in. Well, there's something that answers that point directly 15 minutes before the end of the movie. I could give you examples. I give you all kinds of examples, but I'll give you the one that's on my mind just because I fell asleep watching Black Panther the other night. Um, if you watch Black Panther, the opening shot in Black Panther is kids playing on a basketball court outside this one building at night, right? And it's, and it's old, and it's torn down, and everything's kind of fallen apart, and it's kind of just, like, forgotten. Like, that's the opening shot of the movie. You see these kids out playing basketball. Last shot of the movie is a group of kids playing basketball on that same basketball court with a new goal, bright day, everything looks completely different, being restored because now some change has taken place. But it's, it's the same picture that's being shown to kind of demonstrate the contrast, the way things have been changed. Right? And, and, and people, when they're telling stories, kind of set these things up so that you can, you can find what the point is they're trying to make throughout the story that they're telling. And God's kind of doing the same thing here in chapter 36. He's saying, he's saying for the sake of my name, my people are broken and I'm going to punish them. And then at the end, he's saying, I'm going to give them a new heart and restore them for the sake of my name. Both of these things are happening for the same reason. For the glory of God, for His name, for His renown, for His fame, all of these things, so that the world might see who He is and, and, 
and fear the idea that they are in their sin, but also maybe find that they can rejoice in being reconciled and restored and brought into the family of God. And we see this beautiful balance being set up, this, this day and night, this clean and dirty, this, 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 this ultimate contrast between who we were apart from God, what we looked like when we were in our sin, and what we get to look like now as the people of God, now that we've been shown His grace and mercy and, all of, and been given this new heart like He was just describing. Because God's name is being glorified through the reconciliation of His people, through, through building up and through glorifying His people. Um, I'm going to read a verse. I wasn't sure if I was going to. I'm going to read this verse in just a sec. Um, I'm not going to give you all the context around it, and when you read it, you're going to be like, I have a lot of questions about what that verse is trying to say, and I'm not trying to get into a big discussion about gender roles and stuff, but this, this, but this verse, I think, kind of demonstrates why it's so cool what God does with the church. So this is 1 Corinthians chapter 11, uh, verse 7. And it says, For a man not ought to cover his head, since he's the image and glory of God, but the woman is the glory of the man. Now, I read that and you're going to be like, I got questions about what that means. That's a great time for community group discussion. Uh, you, you, can you can chat more about what some of the other context behind uh, Corinthians 11.7 is if you would like to during your community groups this week. But the point that I'm trying to make is, if, if a husband and wife relationship is supposed to be a picture of our relationship between Christ and his church, then, then what God makes his church into, the way the church looks and, and, and reflects him on earth, brings glory to God. Does this make sense? Do, do you see what I'm trying to say? It's important for the glory of God that he make his church into something. That he, that he restore his church and build them up in an amazing and miraculous way. Because, because the way they look to the world brings glory to God. And this is what I want us, I think, I think there are a couple of ways that we can apply some of this text, but I think, I think one of the important things that we can realize is the way we look as the church, the way we behave as the church, the way we point people to God, the way we represent God while we are here on earth, Right, Because we were left to accomplish the work of taking the gospel around the world and to be God's representatives in his creation. And if that was the task that we were left for, the way that we model living a life that is glorifying to him is what is, to, is, what is bringing glory to him. It matters to God that his church bring glory to him, and that is part of why he makes us into this group. That is why he brings us together. That is why he gives us a new heart. Because, because as he does that, he is bringing glory to himself. Because the nations are seeing, look at what God is doing with this ragtag bunch of people. That's part of what I love about CRC. Is like, Look at what God has done. Look at the relationships that he's let us build. Look at the places he's let us go and the people he's let us interact with. Just with us being this small group of like 30 to 40 people. In downtown. Like he, he's, he, he, he gets glory. He, he brings fame upon his own name through what he does even with small groups, even with small churches. Speaking of groups and churches, I was, as I was reading this, I realized that, that part of Israel's punishment when they were in sin was that God took away their community from them. Right? 
They had their home. They had their land. And what did he do? He spread them out all over the world. They lost their identity. They lost their community. And what was the first thing he said that he was going to do after he changed their hearts and after he began to restore them? He brought them home. He brought them back together. And the way he brings us together, the way he puts us in community with one another, the way that he, that he, that he intimately ties our lives together so that, so that we, are, we are a bunch of individual believers, but we are one body. The way he does that is part of the way that he brings glory to himself and part of the, way that, and part of the benefit of being saved. Right? Part of the benefit of being reconciled for Israel was that they got to get the whole family back together. One of the biggest benefits that we get when we are saved is that we get the church. We get one another. And we ought to see that as being something that brings glory to God and something that ought to bring joy to us. We get one another. God wants to bring us together and He wants us to look good so that we bring glory to Him. I was thinking about this, like, why do we bother brushing our kids' hair and put th- putting them in halfway decent looking clothes? Because we think they are representing me to some degree, right? Why, why does my wife roll her eyes when I let Ellie dress herself? Because now, whatever this interesting conglomeration of multiple patterns is representing us to some degree. God brings us together and puts us into these relationships. God, God gives us this new heart with new sets of desires because, because we represent Him and we bring glory to Him. So I have a few questions. Is your life bringing glory to God? Or is the way that God is going to have to deal with you the way that he will receive glory. Because here's the thing. We talked about this, right? right God, God gets glory when he punishes us in our sin, and God gets glory when he saves us from our sin. For the sake of my name, I have to punish them. And for the sake of my name, I'm going to save them. He's getting glory either way. Is he getting glory in your life because of what he's done in you and the change that he's made? Or is he getting glory in that he's going to have to punish you because you are still in your sin? That's the question. If you are still in your sin, I want you to know that this whole verse should be some of the best news to you that God will give you a new heart and a new set of desires. And you no longer have to worry about desiring to chase after all of these sinful things that are in your life. But instead, He'll give you new things to want, new passions, new loves. When He says, I want you to, I want you to chase after Me and I want you to love the church and I want you to love taking the Gospel and sharing it with people, He'll give you that desire. You get that. You don't have to manufacture that on your own. You just get it when He saves you. You don't have to want it enough and then He saves you. He saves you. Not because of anything that we did, right? I will give you a new heart and a new spirit I'll put within you. And I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a new heart of flesh. All of this is God doing it. 
He's not saying you're going to desire it. He's saying the desires come with the new heart and I'm going to give it to you. So if you are not in Christ, if you are still in your sin, He will give you a new heart and a new set of desires. But for those of us who are in Christ, for those of us who are saved, for those of us who have experienced this this new heart, this new set of desires, is your life bringing glory to Him? Are you living like you have this new heart? Are you filled with joy in knowing that you have been saved? Are you filled with joy in knowing that you get to come together and be around other people who have had the exact same experience? Remember that, like, when we were talking about, like, you've been out working and you're all sweaty and your clothes are stinky and dirty and messy. And then you take a shower and you put on a new set of clothes and that feels really good. And you really know, and you really appreciate how good that change of clothes feels because you know what it felt like, like, 20 minutes ago while you were still stinking. Right? That should be what our salvation is like. Because we know what we looked like right before God changed us. And we see what we are now. And that's an amazing thing. We ought to be so overwhelmed and and, and excited and joyful because we see that difference. I'm saying, uh, every, every time you take a shower, you should rejoice. I mean, you should just be rejoicing anyways because God's still getting glorified. But that's a different sermon. But like, like when, when, when your hands, when you, when you like, when you pick up the, the, the spoon at like the buffet and it's like all sticky and then you're like doing this for the next 20 minutes but then you go wash your hands and it just feels amazing. Sorry, I'm, get, I'm like hitting all the OCD nerves. I'm sorry. But like that feeling, that clean feeling, that's what we get with salvation. Salvation is a shower and a new set of clothes. God, God makes you clean and He makes you beautiful for the glory of His own name. And if you are saved, if you are part of the church, we ought to be so filled with joy, so overwhelmed by the goodness and grace of God, no matter what it is that we're facing, because we know what we could be. We know where we could be. We know what we could be left in, and we're not. Praise be to God. Let's pray.